Mark 1. Conversations at the speed of sound. The unmistakable sound there of an Avro Lancaster powered by four Rolls-Royce Merlin engines flying past. Hello and welcome to this episode of Mac One, the podcast of the Queensland Air Museum Caloundra. My name is Gary Hills, I am a QAM volunteer and in this episode we are considering the 80th anniversary of the Dam Busters Raid, 16th of May 1943, and as this episode is going live, it is May of 2023. RAF Bomber Command 617 Squadron attacking the dams of the Ruhr Valley in Germany. Now in this episode, just as a snapshot into that story, we're going to hear the words of one of the Australian air crew on one of those Lancasters in 617 Squadron, P for Popsy. In the first wave of three bombers that attacked the Myrna Dam, G for George, M for Mother, the third one was P for Popsy, piloted by Australian Mickey Martin, and of the crew of seven on P for Popsy, five were Australians, including the tail gunner, Tom, or Tammy, Simpson, from Hobart, Tasmania. We're going to meet Tom Simpson as best we can through the recollections of his daughter. So there's going to be a combination of voices here. One is the voice of Helen Pitt, Helen Simpson, um, Tom Simpson's daughter. Another is the voice of Tom Simpson himself through the words that he wrote and published in his book, Lower Than Low, about his experiences during the war. And I will voice those words. So I've taken those autobiographical recollections from the man himself, and uh, you'll hear them spoken in this episode. And also, there'll just be a little bit of background that I will provide for those of you who don't know very much about what happened on that night in May of 1943. Helen Pitt recently visited the Queensland Air Museum and got talking to one of our volunteers, Nick Woods, and uh, it it, uh, emerged that she was interested in the 617 Squadron display that we have there in Hangar 1 because her dad uh, had flown in P for Popsy. And so I got in touch with Helen and I said, look, we would really like to meet this man, your dad. Just give us a bit of a snapshot into Tom Simpson, the man himself. So Helen joined me on the phone from her home in Hobart, and she described some of her recollections of her dad. So, on the morning of the 17th of May, 1943, Britons awoke to this news on the BBC. This is London. 
The Air Ministry has just issued the following communique. In the early hours of this morning, a force of Lancasters of Bomber Command, led by Wing Commander G.E. Gibson, DSO, DFC, attacked with mines the dams of the Myrna and Sorba reservoirs. These control two-thirds of the water storage capacity of the Ruhr Basin. Reconnaissance later established that the Myrna Dam had been breached over a length of 100 yards and that the power station below had been swept away by the resulting floods. The Ada Dam, which operates several power stations, was also attacked and reported as breached. Photographs show the river below the dam in full flood. The attacks were pressed home from a very low level, with great determination and coolness in the face of fierce resistance. Eight of the Lancasters are missing. By the time Tom Simpson joined Number 617 Squadron, he had experience with Bomber Command in Hamptons, Manchesters and Lancasters. He had met the King, and he had gone on 37 trips. In his book, Lower Than Low, he describes how he met Mickey Martin. At Wigsley, we were picked up in an old truck and dumped at the sergeant's mess. I waited to be allocated a room when finally a short-ass little chap with a sandy moustache came in and called out, Hey, you down there. Is your name Simpson? Yes, I said. What's your problem? He said, My name's Toby Foxley. Where's your flying kit? I opened my bag, pulled out my flying kit and changed into it. We were picked up by a small van and run out to the dispersal point where a Hampton was parked. Thankfully, I was now familiar with the Hampton. We clambered in and a voice said, Have you got him, Fox? Fox answered, Sure, he's aboard. I've got my foot on him. We'd been flying about 15 minutes when a voice called up, Are you there, Gunner? I said, Yes, sir. Then after a slight pause, My name's Mick. Nothing more was said during the course of the flight. When we got out of the aircraft, it was the first time I had seen the pilot. He asked me my name and I told him it was Tom. He questioned me further and finally decided to call me Tam. And the nickname stuck to me all through my service career. It was almost noon when I reported to the gunnery section. There was an RAF flight lieutenant there who said, Oh, you're the new arrival, are you? We must get you crewed up. I said, I am crewed up. I flew last night. He looked at me and said, Well, who did you fly with? I wasn't told anything about it. I said, I flew with a pilot who said his name was Mick Martin. A Sergeant Foxley told me I was in his crew. The flight lieutenant then said, Well, there's not much hope for you then, if that's the case, because Martin is as mad as a grasshopper. He likes flying his own style. Mick liked flying low. Notwithstanding the advice given at briefing, he always cut the height by half, or even more. Mick Martin was a total believer that the flak was aiming for planes flying higher. He went on to fly in 617 Squadron with Mickey Martin's crew after the Dambusters raid. In total, he flew 62 trips. Well, the reason why he was named Tammy was when he um, became involved with the actual squadron when he was selected to go in a particular squadron. Right. And... Um, 
and Nick Martin, yep. who he became very powerly with, asked him a few questions, and, and, and that's how it started, and it just stuck. Okay, and Mick Martin, of course, was the uh, the commander of uh, his of Peepa Popsy, and they became friends, and they stayed friends for a long, yeah. long time, didn't they? I believe they got they together regularly over the years after the war. They did, yeah, for many, many years. Yeah, and and not just with uh, Martin. I know that uh, there were there were others too. Let's let's have a bit of a, a snapshot of your dad's life. Now, I know he was born in nineteen seventeen. Grew up in Hobart, and uh, I think there was a high the photo when he was a prefect at the, at the school, which was a private boys' school by the name of Hutchins School. Mm-hmm. And I, I think his dad, your grandfather, was a lawyer. Is that right? Correct. That's correct. And the idea was that he had ambitions to go into law himself before the war broke out. Well, basically, yeah. He started. He, start, he was at university, mm-hmm. and when he went to enrol to. to uh, Serve, he was just across the road from where they lived at the Anglesey Barracks, which is still there today. Mm-hmm. Um, so he went there to find out what he could do, um, and so that's where the journey started, basically. Yeah, so he enlisted on the 10th of October 1940, and yep. he joined the Air Force. The whole idea was he wanted to become a pilot. Right. So that's why it would have been the Air Force. Okay. Yeah. So he joins the Air Force in October 1940 and immediately begins training uh, with the Empire Air Training Scheme, which obviously was the uh, the training school for all um, air crew in Australia, in Canada, Rhodesia, New Zealand. Posted to Kinross, I was supposed to be a gunnery instructor specialising in aircraft recognition. This was all very boring after flying, and I was thoroughly fed up, especially when the CO ticked me off for being a scruffy, untidy Australian and a disgrace to the instructing staff, etc. After a few weeks of this, he met up with Mick Martin again, who reassured him that better days were ahead. He was about to team up with the old crew, Toby and Jack and Mick, and they were going to meet up at Scampton, a new squadron was being formed, 617. We were allotted P, which Mick immediately christened P for Popsy. We practised flying tight formation at 100 to 200 feet in the Lake District in England, whizzing up and down hills and valleys, then screaming over the water. It was great fun, sometimes down to 40 feet. We flew down to Farnborough, where we had lights fitted on the outer wing. The bomb, or store as it was called, arrived at the squadron the first week in May. These were only dummies. We were given one bomb test at Manston in the south of England. We dropped our store, either a bit low or the aircraft was flying a bit fast, as a jet of water flew up and tore a hole in the starboard elevator. I called up Mick and said to him if we were coming down again tomorrow for the same result, then I would bring an umbrella as I was wet through in the rear turret. Tell us what he was like, um, Helen. What, what kind of a yeah? What kind of a bloke was he? As a dad. Yeah. Well, he was a very, he was a very, um, in a lot of ways, a lot of areas, he was very strict. He was a very, um, I suppose, a little bit conservative. I suppose that's the word. He wouldn't discuss 
he would never ever discuss things about the war. On the night of the 16th and 17th of May 1943, 19 aircraft of number 617 squadron took off to breach a number of important dams in and around the Ruhr area. There were three primary targets, the Myrna, the Ada and the Sorpi dams. The squadron trained for six weeks, paying particular attention to map reading and accurate low-level bombing. The attack was divided into three waves. The first wave of nine aircraft, subdivided into three sections of three aircraft each, took off at ten-minute intervals, in perfectly clear weather and with a full moon to assist them. They were detailed for the Myrna and the Ada dams, in that order of priority. The second wave, consisting of five aircraft, took off to attack the Sorpi Dam. The third wave, consisting of the remaining five aircraft, formed an air bomb reserve and took off three hours later, each detailed for one of the alternative targets. Formation 1 arrived over the Myrna Lake and Gibson's aircraft G for George made the first run, followed by Hopgood in M for Mother. Hopgood's aircraft was hit by flak as it made its low-level run and was caught in the blast of its own bomb, crashing shortly afterwards when a wing disintegrated. Three crew members successfully abandoned the aircraft, but only two of them survived. Subsequently, Gibson flew his aircraft across the dam to draw the flak away from Martin's run. Mick Martin, P for Popsy, bombed third. His aircraft was damaged, but made a successful attack. Next, Young in A for Apple made a successful run, and after him, Maltby in J for Johnny, when finally the dam was breached. When the German gunners saw the lights from the Lancasters on the water, they let fly with Akak in earnest. When the Winko's store dropped, it exploded near the retaining wall off the dam. Then it was Hoppy's turn. He was badly hit just before he dropped his store, and in a ball of exploding fire, it was difficult to see whether the store had left the aircraft and exploded on the other side of the dam, or whether it had blown up with the aircraft. Hoppy's aircraft was a ball of flames as it disappeared over the dam. Then it was our turn. Flak was coming very heavily from the right-hand tower. Toby opened up towards the dam-faced towers as the Winko banked steeply over the right-hand tower and Tracer was streaming towards him. He appeared to be trying to draw the flak towards him as we were coming in on our run. Our store dropped away correctly and we didn't have much time other than to blaze away with our guns as Mick passed over the top with a foot or two to spare. We were all sitting ducks if the jerry gunners had been on the ball and steadier with their aim. As we passed over the dam wall there was an awful thud. We'd been hit somewhere and as we turned to port Toby and I sprayed the flak towers with our guns. As soon as we were clear the Winko called Mick to do a few sweeps over the port side of the dam face to draw off a bit of the intense flak. The jerry gunners didn't have it all their own way as Toby and I worked our brownings overtime on each sweep as Mick flew over. Next in was Dingy Young, but the dam still stood. 
After the next store was dropped a terrific wall of water and the whole face of the dam between the towers burst outwards and an awe-inspiring sight of a wall of water racing through the collapsing dam. Mick turned for base, flying even lower on the return journey. An uneventful return. The next day I discovered I only had a couple of feet of ammunition left in my guns. The most important consequence of this operation is that the Rua Industries would be deprived of a great deal of their industrial water for the coming summer. The immediate result of the floods from the two dams breached was to cause devastation and disruption throughout the valley of the Rua and serious flooding below the Ada Dam at Castle and other places down the Vesa Valley. Research in the 1980s of German archives have proved that the destruction of the Myrna and Ada dams caused more loss and damage to the German war machine than the skeptics would have us believe. Did yeah, you did yeah. he ever did he ever talk much about those days? No, not really when he came home, no. Mm. No. He he did do a um he wouldn't discuss things because I think there's obviously a lot of um, you know memories for him that yeah. were obviously very sad memories because a lot of these a lot of the members were you know were shot yes. killed yes so those sorts of things he wouldn't discuss it but there was one occasion when they did an interview with him through the ABC they came to the house and did that and that was very difficult but he he got through it okay when he came back from um, service in the war, um, you were telling me that's when he married your mum? Yeah, 44. They were married in Hobart, were they? They were married in Hobart, yep. And your mum, is she from Hobart also? She was in Hobart, yeah. And is she still with us, Helen? No, no, she's passed. Okay. She was uh, in her, just close to 100 when she passed. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dad was... Dad was a bit younger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he passed in 1998, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was a bit younger. And they had four mm-hmm. children, so you, you're a... Um, I'm you, number three. You're number three, and do you have brothers or sisters? <laughs> I have an older sister, and then I have an older brother, and then there's me, and then there's Fraser. And your dad went back into, or he, he pursued a career in law after the war. He did, yes. And he was what, also very, very involved with... Uh, he uh, was also very involved with a lot of charity, uh, non-profit organisation like Legacy. He mm-hmm. became president of Hobart Legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, he was also involved with um, the War Widow Guild, and and he was also involved with obviously with the with the Air Force Association. So he did a lot, and he was also on the board of a um, local private hospital by the name of St John's Hospital. Um, he was on the board of that. Um, plus, you know, plus his obviously his legal work, his hobbies. He started to get involved with woodwork. Oh yeah. Um, so that was one of his hobbies, and he used to. We used to do a lot of camping. We used to do a lot of um, adventures, like camping away and going on caravan trips as a family when, when we were younger. And I still got one of his uh, lampshades that he made. 
So that was his one of his hobbies. He used to enjoy doing that. Mm. But he used to do a lot of bushwalking, actually, him and his, his mates. Um, the other interesting thing I must mention to you too, Gary, is um, there's a chap by the name of Jack Lego. Well, in fact, oh, Jack, Jack Lego you, you went on it. to be knighted. He became Sir Jack Lego. That's him. That's and, the one. Uh, he was a navigator in Six One Seven Squadron That's alongside That's your him. dad. Yeah, yeah. I've got a newspaper uh, uh, article here from the Melbourne Age in 1956, and Jack Lego gets a mention alongside your dad. And also Lance Howard. They were invited as special guests to the premiere of the Dambusters movie in 1956 that was screening, I think it was um, uh, with the governor as well, oh, as, as oh, at the Hoyts Windsor Theatre. And uh, it, it just strikes me that I, I, you say that he kept in contact with some of these compatriots of his over the years. Yeah, he did. And and I think your dad went back to the UK a few times for 617 Squadron reunions. He did, he did. And he, he also visited uh, when when his mate Nick passed on, he uh, went to the service that they had for him. I very highly respected gentleman. Very highly um, respected. He also was knighted. And, uh, yeah. Sir Harold so the dad went to that. Mickey he Martin. went over for that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he went to that. And Mick Martin uh, re- retired from the Air Force as an air marshal. Uh, so very highly respected man and obviously well loved by, by the, work, the, the the crew that he flew with. Yeah, no, they, yeah, they did. And and they and tell me, I, I read somewhere that Mickey Martin visited the, the grave sites of all of the 617 Squadron crew. As they passed on, he would make a point of uh, visiting, you know, their graves at one point or another as long as he was able. I think he passed in 1988. But yeah. he obviously had a great deal of affection and loyalty to them as well. Yeah. Well, I suppose when you think about it, they've been together for a long time. And they faced life and death together many times. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he uh, he wanted to select the people that he thought was suited to it. Mm. And so obviously that's how... Um, how Dad became involved, he was selected, and they just, you know, all stuck together. Now, as <laughs> we're speaking, it's uh, almost exactly the 80th anniversary of the Dambusters raid, so we're in May of 2023 as we're speaking. I'm guessing that there are some special events for you this week? Yeah, that's right, Gary. It is. We've had a, a great uh, honour to uh, have, been accept- have been invited to go to a uh, special lunch been in honour of our father. Um, and it's only family members, that's the only ones that have been invited. And that'll be, he's been held on this weekend on the Sunday the 21st. And where is that? And they're holding that at the um, Air Force Association in Hobart. The governor had been invited, governor of Tasmania had been invited, um, but unfortunately she had to attend the, the king's coronation, and mm. um, so she wasn't able to be back in time. So yes, we are looking forward to it as a family, and it'll be um, probably quite a moving um, affair. I'm now, of course, I, I met you a couple of weeks ago when you were visiting the Queensland Air Museum, and um, I know that you had taken note of our six one seven squadron display. It's only a small display that we have in in the area for Bomber Command. And, uh, of course, your dad's name is there, as it should be, Thomas Simpson, uh, along with other crew members 
uh, from the the Dam Busters raid, and it was lovely to meet you and to have that sort of personal connection with uh, you know a name that's uh, on a on a list in a display and to talk to you. So it's been lovely to talk to you today, Helen. Thank you so much for this. It's nice to get a sort of a snapshot into the the person uh, who was involved. He went joined up at the age of twenty three went off uh, across the other side of the world and put his life in, at risk uh, along with his crewmates on many, many missions and not just the Dam Busters raid and then came back and lived a long and full life helping others. And uh, so it's been, it's been wonderful to talk to you and we are very pleased to have had this little chance to meet Tammy Simpson as well. Thank you for listening to our episode uh, today about the 80th anniversary of the Dam Busters raid and particularly the opportunity to meet through his daughter, Tammy Simpson, who left the Air Force as a flying officer with a DFC and a DFM. So we at the Queensland Air Museum would love to meet you. We're open every day from 10am to 4pm except for Christmas Day and Easter Friday. Come in and see us soon. We would love to meet you. Next week we talk about uh, Australia's own Don Bennett, Air Vice Marshal Don Bennett, who led a raid of Hampton bombers against the German battleship Tirpitz. We'll talk about that raid and what happened to Don Bennett after he was shot down and... uh, had to make his way back to England. Thanks for listening. Come and see us soon. Bye for now.